All right, now we're going to do uh, the most important thing that we do here, which is uh, read from God's Word. And we're continuing in the book of Ephesians. So tonight's reading is Ephesians chapter 6, starting from verse 10, if you want to follow along. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be, may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Cool, thank you, Jeff. Um, my name is Braden. I'm... Oh, that's a bit crazy. I'm the student pastor here at Soul Revival. Normally, I spend most of my time hanging out on Friday night and um, taking care of our Friday gathering, but it's my pleasure tonight to get to bring you the word here from Paul from Ephesians um, here on a Saturday night, which is great. Uh, and as uh, Jeff just read, tonight we're coming to the end of the book of Ephesians, as you would have noticed, but not the end of our series. So I'll be wrapping up this second half of the chapter six in Ephesians, but for the next three weeks after this, We'll be doing three more topical sermons coming out of Ephesians on uh, the theme of spiritual warfare. So I'm going to touch a little bit on that, but we're going to have three more weeks um, of chatting through that big topic that's overarching all through Ephesians. So if you're a bit like, why didn't you chat about that? Don't worry, you're going to get plenty of it. You're going to be sick of it later. Okay, so it's not my job. It's not my job to do that tonight. Anyway, before we jump into this, I'm going to pray quickly and then we will get into it. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for gathering us tonight as your people. I pray that we won't be distracted by the things of this world and that we can stop and come to you and come to your word with open ears, soft hearts, 
It's people hungry for your word. Amen. So, I like working late at night. That's when I get most things done. And I like doing that because it's nice and quiet and I'm not as distracted and I can just switch off and concentrate fully on what I'm doing. So on Thursday night, I was writing a talk. It might have been this talk, it might have been a different talk. I'm not going to tell you. But I was up late on Thursday night and I was, you know, doing what you normally do. You have your laptop out, you start doing a bit of work and then hopefully you pull your phone out and you start scrolling on that because you know that that's really going to help what you're trying to do. Scrolling on social media, procrastinating. But interesting things started to happen. So this was probably closer to the a.m., my dog Ivy was judging me thoroughly for still being awake, but I, things started happening. Normally my, my feed of social media would be a flood of football managers getting fired or this player's injured or all the usual rubbish that comes up. But instead I got a different article. Oh, BBC has suspended its programming for the next 12 hours. That's interesting. The royal family are rushing to Balmoral Castle in Scotland. Ooh. Now, I, a couple of, probably about two years ago, watched a video called London Bridge is Down. And so I kind of had an idea of what was going to happen next. So I quickly put it on the ABC and waited for, ah, here we go. All the news reporters are changing into black. They all, especially if you're in the UK, you have to have a mandatory black outfit on hand if you're going to read the news. So I'm like, oh, it's happening. This is crazy. So now I'm really awake. I'm starting to freak out. Whoa, what's going to happen? It's getting later and later. Oh, things are coming out, it's trickling. Finally, we got it. London Bridge has fallen down. That's the code they use. The Queen has died. They put the little sign out the front of Buckingham Palace, which starts the many, many proceedings that are going to happen following. And why is this such a big deal? It's so funny. People have been talking about it all day yesterday. Why do people even care? Well, first of all, I'm not British, so I just wanted to flag that. I'm Irish and Scottish. That's not British. That's something else. So I'm pretty indifferent when it comes to most things royal. But this is a massive world event. That's why I stayed up. I was like, wow, this is happening. This is crazy. Queen Elizabeth has been on the throne for 70 years, since 1952. She's had 15 different prime ministers British Prime Ministers, 19 different Australian Prime Ministers, 12 American Presidents, over half a dozen Popes in that time. And I think why it's so interesting, why everyone is so crazy and interested in this story is because for a whole bunch of people, for a whole country, Queen Elizabeth has been a symbol of stability. It didn't matter who's in charge, it doesn't matter what was happening, it didn't matter who was in charge in politics or what was happening, the people, especially in England, felt better that she was in charge. Didn't matter what else was going on, they trusted her. And I actually, I found a little quote by a royal, royal correspondent that said, a nation hasn't just lost its queen, a commonwealth its sovereign, or a family, a beloved mother or grandmother. Political leaders have lost a confidant, and the world and sorry, and the world, a standard of public leadership that was driven by faith, driven by faith and prepared, propelled by duty. It's really interesting, isn't it? That one person could make so many people feel better just because she was in charge. And that's what I want to look at tonight. What do we put our trust in? What makes us feel stable 
What makes you feel better? What make, where do you find strength? Is it family? The people around you make you feel confident and safe? Is it food? Maybe having a stocked full cupboard makes you feel like you've got this week sorted. Maybe it's just stuff that you're in control of. If I have effect over this, then I feel better. Where do we look for the strength and stability? Luckily, Paul has some thoughts on this as we open Ephesians tonight. And so far, we have seen a nice little divide through what Paul says in Ephesians. Paul's letter is structured in two halves as we've gone through. The first half explaining a bunch of fundamental truths about God and our relationship with him now we've been reconciled through Christ. And then the second half, chapters 4 to 6, goes, okay, now that we've got all that groundwork sorted and we know where we're going, this is how you should act. This is how you should live and this is how you should walk as a follower of Christ. Now, we arrive at the last chunk of the last chapter. Paul is going to finish his instructions. How are the Ephesians to walk at the end of this? Well, Paul starts, as Jeff helpfully read, in verse 10. Finally, this is how he's going to finish his epic letter. Finally, in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong. But not just be strong, dot, 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 full stop, have fun, good luck. No, we are to be strong in the Lord, be strengthened through our union with Christ. Because ultimately, we can't strengthen ourselves. True strength comes from the Lord. And we've seen that since all the way back in chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. He has given us everything we need to be strong. And that's what Paul's going to look through now. Paul looks to pull apart and tease, these bless, tease out these blessings we've been given by God. And he uses the metaphor of armour. You can just imagine Paul is in jail at this time in Rome, writing this letter to Ephesus. You can imagine him looking out his cell and looking to the armour of the Roman guards outside his cell door, thinking of the opposition he has faced and how to best equip his readers, the church in Ephesus. Now, Verse 13, he starts off. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Now, I like to ask why at the start of this. Why did Paul include this example in his letter to the Ephesians? What does it matter? Why has he put this in, and what would be missing if he didn't? Well, At the end, there in verse 13, to stand your ground, to stand firm. Paul actually says that four times in this passage. Paul calls for us to stand firm four times. Once in verse 11, twice in verse 13, and in verse 14, Paul wants the Ephesians to be grounded in these blessings from God. And God has gifted us the armour to do this. And we are able to see we are to put on the full armour of God understanding that each of these truths are important and we need to put on each piece. Every piece is essential. So as we kick off and go through verse 14, we see the first part of the armour of God. Stand firm then with the, belt buck- with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We will be able to stand firm when we understand the truth of the gospel. The truth 
is to change and shape the way that we live. Next, we have the breastplate of righteousness. Continued on in verse 14, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, we'll be able to stand firm when we seek to live righteously, imitating Christ, living a life of love as Christ has loved us. Next, we are to have feet fitted with readiness in verse 15. And, when, and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. We've been able to stand firm when we make the gospel known. We have seen peace in the face of division. There's a massive theme that Paul has gone over over and over again in Ephesians. Peace between Jew and Gentile. Peace between Gentile and God. Paul has spent... Most of chapters 1 to 3 explaining how this gospel can be understood and shared and how that can make us people of peace. We then see the shield of faith in verse 16. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Our faith is what protects us. It stops the arrows. It's a shield. Arrows of Satan seek to destroy our faith through lies. But our faith is a shield that renders that useless as we stand firm in the power of Christ. Next up, we have the helmet of salvation in verse 17. We'll be able to stand firm when we understand that our salvation is already secure in Christ. When we let this guide our vision, fixated towards the truth, we are secure in him. We see this again, jumping back into chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal promised by the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We are able to keep our eyes transfixed on our salvation because it is guaranteed Christ has won and he has paid our deposit to be redeemed lastly we have the sword of the spirit which is also in verse 17 and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God now I find this one interesting because it's kind of the only offensive weapon that we get I don't know if you're building your own armor maybe you'd go two swords that's up to you but God has given us one And it's the only thing that we need because it is the Spirit. What are we given as an offensive? What are we given to protect and attack with? Well, it's the Spirit. Paul has pointed out we had to clothe ourselves with truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and finally the Spirit. Now, We've seen over and over again in those examples that our battle requires us to focus on Jesus, what he has already done for us, what he continues to do as he sits at the right hand of God. The armour of God, these blessings that God has put on us, are what gives us stability. We are to wear this as it protects us from the things going on in this world. But what are we called to do? Well, Paul gives us this great metaphor, these beautiful blessings, and points those out, but then he calls us to do what? What are we called to do? How do we respond now that we've been given all these things and we have been redeemed? Paul calls us to pray. In verse 18 and verse 19, and pray in the spirit 
on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. For I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I declare it physically, fearlessly, sorry, as I should. Pray. Prayer is our weapon and our mission is, is prayer. Pray on all occasions. Pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. And more importantly, not just for ourselves, but for all the Lord's people. Does your prayer life look like that? Are you praying for all things? Are you praying through everything? Are you praying for other people? Or are you wrapped up in what you're doing? I think it's a pretty clear example. Often people I chat to are like, yeah, the Bible's all good, but I'm not sure what to do with it. Well, Paul specifically outlined the blessings of Christ. and He's told us exactly what to do with it. We are to be people of prayer. Then we are to be comforted by the blessings of God, clothe ourselves in them because they protect us. We are called to respond in prayer in all occasions for ourselves and also for the people around us. So I started tonight chatting about how the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, was to, meant stability for a whole bunch of people. 70 years in charge of a whole nation, but interestingly enough, and I think it's been mentioned tonight, and I'm very encouraged it's been mentioned a lot. For me, it's interesting who the Queen put her trust in. One of the most powerful people on the planet, who did she look for for strength? Who, who represented stability for her? So earlier I read a little quote from a royal correspondent, and now I'll read the second half, which seems like a good amount of context. A nation hasn't lost its Queen. Sorry, a nation has, hasn't just lost its queen, a commonwealth, its sovereign, or a family, a beloved mother or grandmother. Political leaders have lost a confidant and the world, a standard of public leadership that was driven by faith, propelled by duty. Driven by faith. Yes, every Christmas day she reminded us of it, that she looked up to another crown, bent her knee to a greater sovereign. And if we're looking for the source of law... If we're looking for the source of her loyalty and service, there it is. And, we'll be, and we would be better if we all were to follow her example. And there's hundreds of these. I looked up, I went on, I was like, Queen quotes about Jesus. And I was expecting, you know, like a few things. And it's like, top 100 quotes of Queen Elizabeth about Jesus. It's pretty encouraging. So I'll let her say it in her own words. To many of us, our beliefs are of fundamental importance. For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework which I try and lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's word and example. So I walk away from looking, spending this great time looking at Ephesians and also reflecting on what Queen Elizabeth has done over the time in her life. And I walk away thinking, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't really matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have. It doesn't matter whether you live in a palace 
or you're sitting in a Roman prison or in a factory at Kiriwi, stability is found in God. Stability is given by God. And we reconcile with God through Christ. I'm going to finish in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to stand firm in your love. Thank you for the blessings you give us in Christ. And help us to put on the full armour of God every day. Help us to be people of prayer. And help us not to just pray for ourselves, but for others. Help us to cling to you, our rock and our redeemer, where stability is found. Amen.